0: I'm Terence Rolston, President of Focus on the Family Canada. Hurting families turn to us each day looking for help with the challenges they and their kids or grandkids are facing. Through the support of individuals like you, we can help these families deal with issues like anxiety, depression, family conflict and more. Will you donate today? Your donation will equip us to respond to these and other issues that families need help with. To donate, visit focusonthefamily.ca. Thank you for your support.
1: Welcome to Focus on the Family. Uh, You've no doubt heard many things about the coronavirus vaccines that are being rolled out, and many have contacted us here at Focus on the Family asking questions about the vaccine. So today we wanna help you get the information you need to keep yourself and your family safe
2: and well-informed. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, this is a big moment in the culture as this week the vaccines begin to roll out and uh, people are taking uh, those shots, and uh, many people in a priority way will be having to decide, will I take it or will I not? And some have described this as a hornet's nest, but we want to inform you about what we know. Uh, What many of you, the listeners, may not realize is that we have a physician's resource council here at Focus on the Family for years. Uh, 35 to 40 doctors uh, meet twice a year here at the Focus campus. They look at our uh, medical information, our medical advice to ensure that it's medically accurate. They help us with bioethical issues. Uh, They have been a cornerstone to the effort here at Focus on the Family, again, for many years. And we are grateful to lean on them for advice in the medical arena, and we're going to do that today.
3: Yes,
1: and we should note they're not paid advisors. These are people (laughs) that donate their time and energies to help Focus on the Family and our mission. We're so glad to have Dr. Dan Hinthorn here uh, and Dr. Scott James. They're with us remotely today. Uh, They're both infectious disease specialists on that Physicians Resource Council, and uh, Dr. Hinthorne practices in Kansas, Dr. James in Alabama. Both have families and children, and we're so glad
2: to have them today. Dr. Hinthorne and Dr. James, thanks for being with us.
4: Thank you. My pleasure. to be with you.
2: Yeah, it's so good to have your expertise, and I do want to say publicly thank you for what you do for Focus on the Family on the PRC and giving us that great uh, professional guidance when it comes to Medical issues, bioethical issues, etc. In a moment, we're going to get to the concerns, but let me uh, start at that intersection of God and science. I mean, you—you you both are faithful believers in Jesus Christ. You've dedicated your life to science, to medicine. Uh, do those two coexist in a single person?
4: Actually, they do fit together <laughs> quite well. And in fact, uh, on our faculty, we have a large number of people who are believers. Uh, and uh, who practice good science. So, yes, they can go together. I suspect you do the same thing in Alabama.
0: Yeah, I, I firmly believe that the heavens declare the glory of the Lord, and so I think all creation, all nature testifies to the goodness of our Creator. And uh, uh, if I can look up to the heavens and, and glorify God because of it, then it, stands to reason that I can also look through a microscope and look uh, in the opposite direction and, and see the glory of God at a microscopic level uh, in my scientific pursuits as well so let me let me start with the question
2: on the vaccine um, just generally, how does a vaccine work in the body, whether it 's measles or or any other vaccines that have been created uh, how does it work in the body, and uh, why are they effective
4: well vaccines are uh, ways that we can uh, artificially uh, stimulate the body to have resistance to whatever agent we're dealing with, whether it's a virus, and most of these that so we have are viruses. Uh, ordinarily, we use a, a virus that's weakened or modified virus in some way. And uh, so that's uh, simplistically what we do. So the body builds antibodies as if they uh, we'd already had the virus infection itself and therefore we're resistant to it in the future. That's the ordinary way that we do this. And the current uh, vaccine with COVID, however, uh, is, is a different uh, mechanism. It doesn't. We don't use the same route that we use for most of our other vaccines. So it's a novel vaccine, we say, because it uses something that side, sort of sidesteps everything called messenger RNA. Uh, that uh, has been studied for probably 30 years or so, and it just wouldn't work for years after years because the messenger RNA, although what happens is usually we start with DNA and then uh, the DNA gets unzipped and it gets copied and messenger RNA goes out into the cell, to the ribosomes, and uh, it uh, attaches to the ribosomes and makes proteins against whatever it is it's it's making. And what we do is we bypass those steps by injecting messenger RNA directly into the, the body with a lipid attached to the messenger RNA, and it begins to make proteins that look like the cell's been infected. So the body then develops a resistance to that particular virus, which in this case is COVID. And that's the way that it works. It works quite nicely, in fact, protecting probably close to 95% of people who get it, which is uh, remarkable, much better than we thought. In fact, we said, if we can do 50% protection with a new vaccine, that'll be great. So to get 95% protection would be wonderful. Uh,
2: Dr. James, let me ask you. Uh, many people are concerned, or some people are concerned, about the speed in which this vaccine arrived. It cut years off the process. Is there any concern medically uh, that there were shortcuts taken that might, um, you know, create harm if someone takes the vaccine?
0: when you look at the overall time course that it typically takes a vaccine to uh, go through the development process, it's definitely true that the COVID-19 vaccines that are currently being studied have uh, have been proceeding at a faster pace than we typically see. And that's just arisen out of the urgency of the moment. Um, the, the pandemic and the healthcare crisis that, that we've seen has have, uh, motivated people to, to find ways to um, not cut corners, but to speed up the regulatory process. Um, so the Vaccine studies have proceeded quickly, but I can confidently say that they have the same rigorous scientific standards that any vaccine or any therapeutic would need to go through. So there have been no corners cut. And, and I would say just based on the, the public's interest in this and the urgency of the moment, I would say that if anything, the transparency and the scrutiny and the oversight have been even greater in this situation due to the urgent need of the pandemic. Mm the um
2: for us that don't work in the field of medicine and science uh describe a little bit more about the uh, the mrna what that is and how how that's different from others
0: So the mRNA, um, it basically uh, delivers a set of instructions that allows a cell to build a specific part of the virus. So in this case for the COVID-19 vaccine, it's uh, giving our body's cell uh, a little instruction manual to build a spike protein, which is uh, one of the proteins that's on the surface of the coronavirus. And it's the, the protein that actually signals our immune system to respond by making protective antibodies. So the mRNA is delivered into the cell because it's got this sort of wrapped in, in this lipid layer to kind of keep it stable. Once it gets into the cell, it delivers those instructions. Our cell then picks up that RNA makes uh, little pieces of this spike protein. So it does not in any way make an entire virus or anything that could be infective. Uh, But it makes just enough of a part of the virus that would signal our immune system to make those protective antibodies. And it's as the the studies have shown, and has been uh, very effective at doing that. One of the advantages also is that mRNA is, is very fragile. So when this mRNA is delivered into the cell, it delivers its instructions, the cell makes a spike protein that triggers the immune response. But then from there, the mRNA itself is very quickly broken down by just our normal metabolic pathways. Uh, and so there's no residual, there's nothing left over, there's nothing that's gonna um, linger in the cells and cause potential you know, un- unforeseen uh, effects down the road. The mRNA is, it delivers its instructions and then it gets degraded quickly.
2: Right, let me ask you, Dr. James, uh, some have Express concern that they they believe it somehow changes their DNA. I don't believe that's true. But what's the science on that? That somehow the virus can change a person's DNA?
0: For these mRNA vaccines in particular, no, that's that's not a concern. Um, mRNA is is not going to travel into the nucleus. So uh, typically, our our DNA in our cells, the DNA makes the mRNA and it transports it out of the nucleus, and it's kind of a one-way street in that regard. So the mRNA does not cross into our cells' nucleus, and so therefore, it's not going to interact with our DNA. Uh, There's no real mechanism, even scientifically, for it to to do that or insert itself or in in any other way, change or alter our DNA.
1: This Focus on the Family
3: broadcast will continue in just a moment. Check out Focus on the Family Canada's daily broadcast app and join millions of listeners as they tune into the daily broadcast every day with Jim Daly and John Fuller. Featuring interviews with a variety of Christian experts giving tips and advice on how to be a better spouse, parent, or follower of Christ. Take an authentic and inspirational look at the family, all from a godly perspective. Get the free app today at focusonthefamily.ca slash mobile or visit your Apple, Google, or Windows app store. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family.
1: Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming.
2: Let me address a big issue, and that is the use of aborted fetal tissue in the development of vaccines. And it's very convoluted when it comes to COVID-19. Uh, but what is the issue there? Obviously, as Christians, we're concerned about that. And again, the purpose of this program is to inform you, our listener, uh, so that you can make the decisions you feel you need to make. Uh, I want to make sure you have the information, and we're talking again to two experts who can deliver that. So Dr. James, when it comes to the use of fetal tissue in these vaccines, where are we at?
0: So, in research laboratories, there are particularly ones that work with viruses. There are lots of uh, cell lines. Um, These are immortal cell lines that kind of are self-generating and continue on. And so, all of these at one point had a seed. Some. Cell or a piece of tissue that was collected at some point, whether that be from human, animal, insect, there's many varieties, Um, and uh, they perpetuate on in the lab and are readily available. Um, Unfortunately, some of those were originally obtained uh, from tissues taken from the body of an aborted baby, and so there are a few particular cell lines. Most all of these cell lines have their provenance pretty clearly marked out so that you know where things originated from, And the reason for using these, particularly in virus, uh, for any of the cell lines is just that you need that to actually work with the virus and multiply it so that you can uh, use it and study it. Um, Unfortunately, some of the cell lines that are particularly well adapted to uh, working with viruses did have that origination uh, in 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 a a tissue from an aborted baby. I think one thing to sort of keep in mind is that these are historical cell lines, and they've been very clearly studied and validated and are are very – easy to use scientifically because we know what to expect with them, uh, researchers who use them do. Um, but they're historical in the sense that there are no ongoing additional cells that needed to be added to those. Uh, so while we can, as, as pro-life uh, people, we can clearly say that, that we uh, are uh, saddened and, and um, not, not okay with how these were originally, uh, how the tissues became available, uh, the ongoing usage of a cell line that has that origin in the last. Uh, is not perpetuating or contributing to further abortions. And so my personal estimation in that case would be that uh, use of a life-saving measure uh, that has no other, you know, ethically sourced options in that sense um, w- would be permissible. Uh, I personally think that that would not be enough of a connection to make me complicit in the original evil act sure. that, that brought about that, that tissue being available.
2: I appreciate that, Doctor Hinthorn. Would you want to add to that?
4: Yes, uh, you know, uh, I think people should be aware of the fact that the, the messenger RNA vaccines, neither one of them, are made in cells from aborted fetuses. Uh, they're not even made in cells; uh, they're uh, made in uh, in big li- in vats. And so, these are chemicals that are brought together. And so, uh, from that standpoint, they are not uh, created from fetal cell lines. However, Uh, often these kinds of vaccines are checked in uh, fetal cell lines just to see if they work, but that's not uh, making them that way. So if you get the uh, either uh, Pfizer vaccine or the Moderna vaccine, neither one of these uh, is made in a fetal cell line, so we don't have to worry about that one.
2: Are there others that we should be, if we have that conviction, are there others that are coming out that we should be aware of?
4: Yes, there are a number of those that are, and um, It's a matter of uh, looking to see at each one that comes out. Is this one made in the fetal cell line, the subordinate, or not? But these particular ones with messenger RNA are not.
0: And, you know, if I can follow in on that, one thing that I really appreciate about how this is occurring is that there's a high level of transparency with this. So people are going to have some different convictions on this across the board, whether pro-life or not. And so the level of transparency about what cells are used in the production and development of the different vaccine options that may come available, assuming that the other ones do reach the level of approval, is really good. And it gives us that Options so that, uh, as Dr. Henthorne said, the the first one that has been approved and and potentially one that is uh, going to be approved, uh, these two do not use uh, historic cell lines that were historically derived from aborted fetal tissue uh, in their design production uh, or or any any of that nature. So it's good to have options like that. Um, So I'm grateful for that.
2: Well, I appreciate that input. And again, I think we can go to extremes that all vaccines are made that way or this way, and then we don't understand what is morally more acceptable. And uh, we'll post that at the website, those uh, vaccines that are not derived from fetal tissue and those that are, and that way people will know. Let me let me move to another question, and uh, Dr. Hinthorne we'll start with you and then go to Dr. James. Just the general uh, suspicion of vaccines. I mean, there's been a lot in the media over the years about vaccine and side effects, et cetera. Speak to the general construct of that fear and then specifically to COVID-19 and what the research is showing with side effects with these vaccines.
4: Well, there is, <laughs> there's so much information uh, against vaccines by so many people. Uh, I think a lot of it began in the middle of 1990s with uh, a researcher in England who published uh, a paper that really was not valid, it was invalid, and um, he uh, purportedly showed that uh, vaccines did all kinds of bad things in children. And that really wasn't true, and when it was checked out, it was found to be fabricated uh, he lost his license, and uh, that paper was revoked. Uh, the Lancet said, no, this isn't right, and a number of British medical journals and other journals said, no, this, this wasn't correct. But since that time, there have been a number of people who have been talking about this and online and uh, in the media have written against vaccines for what one reason or another. Vaccines do cause problems sometimes in some people, and we know that, but we as Physicians and researchers are all quick to show the situations where they might cause problems and what population it is that uh, a person might have uh, an issue with the vaccine. Now, sometimes uh, some of the vaccines are made in eggs, And uh, in that situation, there can be egg allergy, there can be other kinds of allergies against components of the vaccines, and we all are upfront about it, trying to make sure that we don't give those to anyone who might have a a reaction to it. Um, But then there are some people who are just anti-vaccine because they say, well, it can cause autoimmune disease, and and sometimes some of those things do happen. They're very, very rare, don't happen very often, but uh, they are described. So... Uh, there are a number of reasons why people can be opposed to vaccines themselves, but by and large, uh, vaccines have probably saved more lives in the history of the world than maybe any other way that we've ever uh, done anything to uh, save lives of people. But just because of of the uh, measles and rubella and mumps and, and on and on of the vaccines that we have, smallpox, we've saved many, many lives.
2: Yeah. Dr. James, what about the effect of COVID-19 vaccines? Are they seeing anything... Uh, detrimental or causing harm?
0: studies have been remarkably encouraging so far. The the one we have the most data on is the, the Pfizer vaccine, the Pfizer uh, BioNTech vaccine that has the emergency use authorization right now uh, compared to placebo. So this was a, a large randomized controlled placebo trial, meaning it compared people who received the vaccine versus people who received a, a placebo, which is a, a saline shot or a, a non-entity. Uh, and compared to those who received the placebo, uh, there was no significant increase in uh, the rate of of adverse effect or side effect or anything like that. What um, reactions there were were uh, on the mild side. Uh, So this would be things like a sore arm where the injection was, a little bit of fever for a day or so, uh, some fatigue, some headache, and most of these were gone within two days. And I would kind of also point out just the, the general concept that any medical intervention that, that we give has a potential side effect. So whether or not it's, you know, the aspirin you're taking for a headache or a diabetes pill that you need to take to help control your diabetes, any of those are possibly going to have side effects. And so when we do any medical intervention, it's a risk-benefit analysis of do I think the risk of getting COVID-19 is uh, greater uh, than the risk of of having a possible side effect to to the vaccine. And so that's that's where these large clinical trials are helpful in understanding kind of where to, how to tip the balance uh, for that. But thankfully, that information is out there. So parents um, who are, you know, wanting to do the best thing for themselves and their families, uh, anyone uh, is going to have the information available to kind of help make that decision for themselves
2: and finally I appreciate that I think you've stated that very well Uh, finally let me just uh, end where we started and that is God's perspective on these things uh, more of the theological bent on what we're seeing uh, maybe as professionals obviously but also as followers of Christ these things that happen my wife uh, who you know has always told me with a degree in biology it's going to be the bacteria and the viruses that get us um what's the perspective on that spiritually about uh, harm coming to humanity uh god's perspective on this this is all part of his creation that's a big question but uh, what do you think the the lesson is for us to learn at a spiritual level
4: that's a tough question it's interesting that the bible has a lot of uh information about um pandemics in the end times and um uh, people have said, well, we're living in the end times because we see these pandemics. Well, we've we've had a number of pandemics, and um, it doesn't mean that we're in the end times. I think that's been the natural history of the world, if we look back in, uh, over the last uh, hundreds of years. We can certainly see that. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in terms of uh, what the Bible says about vaccinations and how do we prevent these kinds of things, it's quiet on that, but they weren't invented until much later. But the Bible is big on planning. In fact, uh, Jesus himself talks about uh, accolades to the people who planned ahead. And then, of course, uh, a number of times God encourages people like Noah and Jonah and so forth to to plan, Joseph to plan for the food and so forth. So they didn't have uh, vaccines planned for to help prevent some of these things, but, but the Bible does emphasize uh, thinking ahead and planning for the future and being ready for what might occur. So I think that fits with uh, our theology, but it doesn't... Uh, say things specific about what we're talking about.
0: Yeah, and I, I think as, as a follower of Christ, I, I think it's clear that I look around and I see, um, I see a lot of heartache. I see a lot of things um, going sideways. Uh, I, I have friends and family members and colleagues who are at funerals today. Uh, so I, mm. I, I believe that we're in a situation here where a lot of people are hurting, and I'm discouraged by that. However, I do take a firm and confident lead uh, from God Himself. And, and so I, I, in the end, just despite the hurdles that we're um, having to overcome right now, I trust that God is in control, and I trust that even pandemics and plagues occur for His glory and for our good in some ultimate sense, even if I can't see how things fit together in that moment. So I, I trust that He is in control. Uh, I, I'm not thrown by what the world is handing us right now. Uh, God is still seated on His throne, and He is still good. Um, he is serving us and pouring His grace out on us even now through common grace of medical interventions and frontline healthcare workers and, and vaccines that are being developed. I mean, these are good gifts that come from God uh, in a sense that, that uh, it's, not, it's not a gift of salvation in a spiritual sense, but it's a, it's a gift of uh, common grace and, and um, help when we need it. And so I, I just want to live in that and appreciate that and appreciate the gifts that He gives us through that. And then I want to take advantage of the opportunity that I have to demonstrate His love to the world around me. Um, and so I, I think living in a, in a responsible way right now that is looking out for the good of our neighbor is a particular hallmark of the Christian walk right now, right? Like loving our neighbor, that, that's kind of our thing. So this is our mm-hmm. time to shine. This is our time to really demonstrate to the world uh, that, that God is good and that we are here for others and we are here to, to serve them and to, uh, and to help them, you know, find ultimately find God, but also have health in the, in the short term. And so, you know, I, I don't look at, getting vaccinated as some sort of test of Christian faith or Christian love or anything like that. But I do think that something like this is an opportunity to love our neighbor, and it's a way to take a specific action that protects vulnerable people in our communities. And so as a follower of Christ, uh, I want to wisely think about how I engage that opportunity.
2: I so appreciate that. I think, you know, several things come to mind, one of which is that great scripture, John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. I think this all fits under that banner, uh, the idea that uh, medical advancements help save us, help keep us from physical harm. And and I think you can tuck uh, those things in there. And the fact that God has given us the wisdom, the ability, the knowledge that you two contribute to every day in your profession, your vocation as physicians, to be able to help people, um, it's much different today than it was 2,000 years ago. Poor Dr. Luke did not have the knowledge that we have today. And uh, we should see that as a good thing, that God has given humanity that kind of wisdom and insight to uh, keep us from harm. Uh, Not always, but in many, many cases now. And again, I want to urge our listeners, uh, don't give in to fear. Uh, Be informed. Uh, Be faithful in prayer. Uh, Just as the doctor mentioned, uh, we want to equip you to make the best decision you can make. I'm not trying to twist an arm one way or the other, but I do believe it's critical for you to have the information and to know Uh, what is scientifically accurate. And I know that this issue within the Christian community is really controversial, um, and I get it. Uh, Certainly, we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts, and you can go to the website. I know we're taking a little poll there with who plans to get the vaccine and who doesn't. Just for information purposes, we just want to know our community and how you're feeling about it. So mm-hmm. I'd encourage you to do that. And uh, please remember, Focus on the Family is here for you to equip you. And I'm so grateful once again to the Physician Resource Council for what they do day in and day out to help Focus be medically accurate, to review these things, to help us with bioethical issues, etc. cetera, We are indebted to these doctors that work with us to ensure that we have, first, a Christian foundation to what we're saying, and secondly, a medically accurate uh, perspective on what we put out here at Focus on the Family. And to Dr. Hinthorne and Dr. James, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for the perspective. Thank you for the information. We really appreciate
4: it. You're welcome. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having us.
2: And you'll find all the information that we've
1: referenced along the way here, uh, including that poll and some downloadable documents uh, on our website. That's focusonthefamily.ca. And then we do have some additional content with the doctors that we just can't squeeze into this radio program, and that's going to be online as well. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you here next time as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.